This is Chris Nelson, co-host of the U-Rising podcast. For the next few episodes, we're sharing a five-episode series about student mental health produced by the scoperadio.com at University of Utah Health. It will examine the top mental health challenges faced by college students and explore what causes them and suggest basic strategies to manage each one. You'll also learn about the resources available at the University of Utah. Because in the end, it's not just about understanding the issues, it's about empowering you, our students, with the tools to thrive. So as we dive into this series, I invite you to join us in our shared journey toward a healthier future. Thescoperadio.com. Focus on mental health. College, where crazy schedules, new experiences, high expectations, a fresh social scene, and the whole identity quest come together. It's a lot. Well, sometimes it does add up and depression can sneak in. And that's where Dr. Carrie Frantel, a licensed psychologist at University of Utah Counseling Center, comes in. Today, she's our guide to understanding depression, what exactly it is, what's behind it, how to spot the signs, and critically, how to tackle it head on. Dr. Frantel, first of all, what are some of the causes or triggers that can cause depression or increase depression for somebody who is already dealing with it? in the college setting? Yeah, well, I think the, the, the first thing is the most obvious of like, it's a huge period of transition. And I think that we sometimes forget that or minimize that as a society because it's like a normal transition people make. And the idea of, you know, potentially moving away from home for the first time, uh, being in a new environment, I think a big change for lots of people is that they maybe went to school with the same people for either all of high school or perhaps all of their entire like education. And then they're now in a place where there are way more people and they are a lot of unfamiliar people. Um, And I think that a big challenge is like we kind of don't teach people how to make friends you because you make friends when you're younger and a lot of times you make them in very natural ways but as an adult making friends can be more difficult and i think that that period then of transition where you're not only under stress academically probably financially you're also then trying to find you know new groups of people or new friendships and that is a big stressor for college students I think in addition to the other things that are obvious of, you know, managing a lot of different roles and responsibilities for the first time, or maybe in a different way than they have in the past, um, certainly like financial aspects. Um, And I think there's like the comparison aspect as well of like constantly comparing yourselves to other people, whether that's in classes or over social media. I think that that comparison is, is hard to not internalize. And then, impacts self-esteem, self-worth, those are both related to depression. How about expectations when people come into college, either that they've had on themselves in in terms of performance or that their family or or people that they know have for them? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's expectations to, to, to quote, succeed, right? Um, And to do that in a way that is also probably like what they've done in the past. So, I think, again, I don't think that the American public school system does a great job of teaching things like how to take notes, how to take notes effectively, how to study for tests. I know that those are not things that I necessarily learned. And so the ways that we like learn in high school are really different from college. And so I think especially seeing students where they're used to being really successful, maybe they haven't had to do as much work, maybe they've never had to get like tutoring. And then all of a sudden, maybe something is much harder 
were much different in college. And then there's like this real worry of like, I'm not good enough. I'm letting other people down. Like maybe I'm doing something wrong. Even though I think that those are all just very natural parts of becoming a college student, but the expectation for ourselves and from family feels like a huge weight. And then we feel like I'm letting people down. I'm a disappointment. I think that that certainly leads to, to depression. We talked about some of the triggers that can cause depression in college students, but then what's actually going on when these stimuli hit us as we go into college that causes depression? What is depression even? It is often like this erosion over time of different things happening that are impacting maybe our our sense of self-esteem, our sense of self-worth. Um, our feeling of connection. And like a lot of times those things individually aren't necessarily going to lead to depression. They might make you sad, but probably aren't going to lead to depression per se. Um, but I think especially when it's kind of one thing after another and when you don't have uh, confidence in your ability to kind of pick yourself back up from that. Um, and I think the thing with depression, too, is like it's it's not just that sadness. It can be a lot of different feelings, sadness, feeling numb, feeling empty, feeling hopeless. I think sometimes people actually feel irritable and not sad. And then it's those things also impacting like sleep, um, appetite, not being interested in things anymore. And that all lasting for, you know, more days than not over the course of a couple of weeks, that's when it's starting to move from like sadness to, oh, maybe this is actually depression. Do you have an analogy? It sounds like when you have these things that are attacking your self-esteem or causing you worry or giving you feelings that you're letting people down because maybe you're not meeting expectations, these are like attacks on something. Mm -hmm. And you keep getting these attacks and eventually something happens. Right. And it, 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 like, I don't know how to deal with this. It makes me sad. It, it, I don't know how to fix this. Mm -hmm. is, is there an analogy here that we could come up with? Normally we give the bridge metaphor of like, if we, if we think about our life as like a bridge, um, that like an overpass that has been fortified, uh, maybe in the past by, you know, feeling like really good self-esteem to begin with having a good social support network, having people that you can rely on, but also maybe having learned coping skills for even just like identifying your emotion in the moment, knowing how to talk about it, knowing how to um, name the emotion, but not have the emotion take over. Um, we typically then are thinking about a pretty solid bridge that has, you know, no cracks in the foundation. And then when like a bulldozer comes across the bridge, um, you, you might not, immediately like collapse into depression but over time you keep getting that like corrosion and the potholes grow bigger and bigger that bridge eventually might collapse where now it's not you can't drive on it anymore and i think that that's kind of a good analogy for depression where like that can happen to anyone even people where like everything has gone right everything's been good it might take longer for them to reach a point of depression if that's the case then maybe compared to if if you've already had periods of time that have like worn down the road, you you might, you know, not be able to sustain as many tons of, of pressure on the bridge. So as uh, an individual is going into college or going through college, I could picture myself asking myself the question, what's attacking my bridge right now? <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. like, 
if something happens, if I don't get a great score on something, I, that's an attack to my bridge, especially if I consider myself somebody who does well in school or I can't yeah. seem to make friends. Uh, I don't, I'm not having good friend connections or, or I've felt like I was abandoned. That's an attack to my bridge. Uh, so I got to think, well, now what, what do I do with that? How can I, first of all, I think identifying it's critical, right? That that yeah. is an attack. And then second of all, what can I do about it? And, and knowing that those feelings are probably even okay, right? Yeah, well, I think that that is a big part of it, is knowing that the feelings are okay. I think that one of the other things, too, related to this is certainly a an emphasis on perfection that I think that we, we kind of have as a society, but we also know that perfectionism has grown like significantly in the past um, couple decades, really. Um, and perfectionism it's not just high standards. It's also high standards where our self-worth is tied to the outcome. So the stakes are a lot higher. So there's this idea then of seeing things of, I'm a good student, therefore I need to be perfect. And if I get even like a B, there's this immediate response of like, oh, I'm a failure. And like, that's one of the things that I'm supposed to be best at is school. So if I like am no longer good at that, that means like I'm a bad person. Like we quickly like move into these like bigger statements that that aren't true, but they feel very true to us. And I think that there, there has to also be this recognition and almost like a reframe. Uh, we talk a lot in therapy about like, what is the story that we tell ourselves about, about ourselves and the world around us? And if I tell myself that like, I can either be perfect or I'm a failure, um, I'm kind of setting myself up to fail. And it's hard to let go of like, Oh, but I've always been an A student. Um, and I think that if we are thinking about things like uh, doing well on tests, as like, this is a learning opportunity. I am trying to do the best that I can. And perfection is not necessarily the goal. I think that then when we get a B, we don't see it as like this huge threat to who we are as people. We see it as like, yeah, I did well. I'm a student. I'm supposed to be learning and growing and it's okay. But we really have to consciously be telling ourselves that new version of the story over and over again because the story that we're used to is mm. i can either be perfect or i'm a failure as opposed to seeing that gray area in between one of the causes that i understand can really lead to depression in college students is um the feeling of being lonely yeah going to college for the first time maybe you've got a friend or two from your hometown that are at college but maybe you don't maybe you don't know anybody and you're having a hard time making friends or making connection and that's one of the things you deal with, you have a couple of programs that help mm -hmm. with that. You lead a loneliness and connection program and another one coming up called To Be So Lonely. Talk about loneliness and connection for college students and how that can play into depression and how they can protect their bridge. Yeah, I think, um, I think loneliness is a very common experience, not just for college students, but in general. Um, I think that that is even more salient, uh, you know, after um, after like the periods of like quarantine, right? Um, I think that we feel very lonely as a society, even when we're surrounded by people too. I think that that's a part, an important part to clarify because I think that there are times where even when we feel like we're surrounded by people, we still feel like we're not able to be like authentically ourselves, or maybe the relationships don't feel real or deep or as connected as we want them to be. And so it feels lonely. And I think one of the things that's important for college students to understand is that that experience is normal. I think that there are many times when people will come in saying like, well, I feel like I've seen everybody else 
make friends, find their group, find their connection. And I feel different. And I think there's a lot of people who feel that way. It is, it is a very common concern. And even the people who maybe were, were witnessing connecting, that might not actually be how they feel either. Um, and I think that then this loneliness then leads to um, kind of fear around like, well, h- how do I find something different? That idea of small talk, I think feels very threatening to lots of people because it feels like, well, what should I say? Do people really want to talk to me? Is it really worth having a conversation where we're just saying something like, how's the weather? Um, or is that is that feeling inconsequential? But I think that then there becomes this like paralysis around, okay, well, I don't know how to initiate conversations with other people without being quote weird or awkward. And so I'm not going to, but then I feel more and more stuck. Now I feel like I have no social support. And then that's really connecting to depression. And I think that that's just so common for college students. When it comes to depression and college students, how can college students differentiate between when it's, you know, just kind of normal, right? Because, you know, at times we get depressed and that's fine. Every time you get depressed isn't a a major emergency. But on the other hand, sometimes they are. How can somebody differentiate between those two? Yeah. Well, so I'm going to make it three instead. I'm going to say that the spectrum is maybe like there's sadness and and like kind of typical, not problematic, not harmful sadness. There's like depression where it's getting a little bit more serious. And then there's an emergency. Um, And I think the first thing I would say is we kind of want students to come in even if they're not sure. And if students are feeling like, yeah, something feels off, something feels not right. I feel like something feels bad and I am worried about it. That probably is enough of a reason to come in and seek help. And again, people coming in, we'll talk through with them what's actually going on and we'll figure out, is this something where, you know, therapy is the right answer? Is it something where just like learning skills in a workshop could be a good, good option, could be, could be a first step. Um, I think that my my worry will always be that I think sometimes students are like, well, it's not that bad. I don't, you know, I don't want to like go go if it's not that big of a deal. I'm like, no, come on in. Like, we'll we'll help you figure it out. Because um, maybe maybe it is a big deal. Maybe that crack in the bridge that you're thinking is not a big deal is going to turn into something big soon. And and if you don't have the experience, how would you know, right? Exactly. And maybe the case maybe it is the case that like it's a crack that we can address differently before it becomes a break. And I think that that is definitely the case. Um, And I think that part of that too is the counseling center. One of the things I really love about our agency is that we, we have what's called a stepped care model, which means that we have different levels of intervention or ways that we can help. And so I think that sometimes people are like, yeah, I'm not feeling great, but it doesn't feel like it's, you know, broken the bridge. And that's when we can say, yeah, we have a workshop that is designed specifically to give you new, new tools, new strategies to kind of fortify the bridge. That is very like low stakes. It's those workshops are typically an hour a week for four weeks in a row. They're very much like a kind of like a classroom setting where students aren't expected to be like spilling their their secrets in front of other people. They're truly like learning skills the same way that you would in in a class. 
and then being asked to kind of apply them. And you don't have to share your own personal stuff at all if you don't want to. You can just take it home, practice, you're good. That's very low stakes. And I think it's like, yeah, that's why if you're not even sure, come on in. We have something that can still be helpful for you. And there are times where you might you might come in and maybe it is a little bit worse. Maybe the bridge is starting to have a larger crack, potholes bigger, we're falling in. And that's when we can address that differently. Um, I think that the signs that that might be the case a lot of time is going to be um, more about time as well as intensity. And so again, I think about, you know, how much, how much of your day are you feeling, you know, apathetic or sad or crying? And is it a large amount of your day? And is it more days than not for several weeks in a row? months, that's probably a different issue. Um, and again, something that I think, you know, folks can come in, we get them connected to the right resources. Obviously, I also think like there are emergencies and there are times when the bridge maybe quickly moves from being okay to, to starting to crumble. And particularly when we're seeing suicidal thoughts, that is a time to come to the counseling center. Um, if those thoughts rise to like an immediate concern, as in students are wanting to kill themselves in that moment, they don't think that they can keep themselves safe, like then going to a crisis um, appointment, either with us or um, with MH1 through the dorms or uh, using the Safe UT app, uh, all of those things can help. Or, you know, obviously calling 911 if it's really about safety. And I also think that it's important for people to know suicidal thoughts are, are also pretty common and having those thoughts, but not planning to act on them, not trying to actively take steps to kill yourself is not something that we're, we're not going to overreact to that. And you know, I think people sometimes don't want to come in because they're afraid that we're going to call the police or call the hospital. We're going to instead work with students to talk through how do we, how do we give you better coping skills? How do we give you a better social support system? Like how do we give you the things that will help build back the bridge or or kind of lay a new layer on it? And again, like that's something where like, yeah, when we're having those thoughts, we should definitely be reaching out. Sometimes it's an emergency where maybe for safety, you need to go to the hospital. Lots of times it's not. And it's more like come to the counseling center and, and let a therapist work with you. You gave us some great examples of some, you know, resources on campus that, uh, you know, range from low stakes, kind of uh, introductory, just some uh, additional skills to keep that bridge safe to interventions that might mean maybe one on one with a counselor or uh, beyond. What are some things, though, that somebody could do right now to protect their bridge that you think would be useful? Let's give somebody at the end of this podcast something actionable that they could take into their life to put another layer on that bridge. Yeah, there's a, there's, so there's a few things and a lot of them are going to sound so basic. Um, but it is like building a routine and taking care of the basics. Um, so I think about sleep as a really big one, having enough, but not too much. Uh, we don't want to see oversleeping, but um, the, the number of times I've seen people come in and I'm like, Hey, how much sleep are we getting? And the answer is like, well, I've only slept for like three hours a night for the last like week. Cause I'm studying. No, <laughs> that's not going to help. That's a um, major, that, that can, that can, that can compromise a bridge's uh, integrity. Yeah. Quickly. <laughs> More than you might think. Okay. 
quickly will will start to, to kind of break that bridge down. Um, I think the same thing about eating as well, whether I mean, I think for college students, like, are they eating three healthy meals a day? Probably not. <laughs> but I think having some approximation of that, right? Thinking about like, have you eaten recently? Have you given yourself like energy? Um, that is a really important one. And so making sure that that is something that you're building in time for and being consistent about. Um, certainly limiting alcohol or drug use or abstaining from it for a period of time is going to be important. Um, but I think that one of the other things that we see a lot is that uh, college students don't necessarily make time for like self-care. Um, and I think there's a lot of reasons for this. There's a lot of demands on their time. And so making time for that can feel like, oh, this is a waste. I have other things to do. But if we don't have that opportunity to recharge, a lot of times like we're not we're not doing as well. Um, so I one of the parts of the day that I think that students can do this the most is like at night having some version of a routine that is between stopping doing work and actually going to bed. Whether that is like having having time that is, you know, taking a shower, being able to do, you know, like I think sometimes like people are like, I'm going to do a facial and that makes me feel better for other people. It's like I'm going to read not schoolwork and that makes me feel better. Um, having some version of something that is stepping away from the demands and responsibilities in your life, even if it's 15 minutes, 20 minutes every night, because that's also going to break up the time between the different activities that you have. Um, and then the last one is really related to social connection, finding social connection and making time for it, whether that is texting or calling friends who aren't here, if you haven't made friends here yet, if it is trying to go to different club meetings or going to different like, um, like resource centers on campus to find connection with people, doing something where you are finding other people. We are social creatures and we need social beings in our life. Even when they make the, us feel anxious, it, it's, a, it's an important part of our mental health is having that connection to other people. Those do sound incredibly simple and I think they could be dismissed as such. Yep. But uh, if you really sit and critically think like, you know, sometimes you go to bed stressed, you wake up the next day feeling so much better. Why is that? Well, because you got some sleep, right? <laughs> and your brain is a lot better equipped to handle that. What you're talking about with those routines and when you ask, are you doing it, is the bridge maintenance, right? And yep. how do you expect anything to be able to stay in a in good condition if you're not doing that maintenance? Yes. I think sometimes we can, you know, forget that maintenance is sleep, maintenance is diet, it's caffeine, it's alcohol, it's taking a moment just to be with yourself, taking a moment to connect with other people. Got to do that bridge maintenance. Absolutely. Yeah. Mental health bridge maintenance. Yes. Carrie, somebody's made it to the end of the podcast. What's the last thing you would want them to know? What's What would you want them going away with, I should say? I think if I had to pick one thing, it's it's probably that... Um, that a lot of our experiences are very normal. And I mean that in the sense that they are common, that we are not alone, that other people have felt those things. And that should never be a reason of like, oh, well, we all feel this, so I guess I don't need help. But instead should be like, yeah, a lot of other people have felt this too. 
we just don't talk about it enough as a society. So we feel like we're the only ones. We feel like we're the only one that has a, a difficult time transitioning to college. We feel like we're the only one that doesn't have friends. And I know for a fact that that's not true because for anything that people have brought into the counseling center, I there's there's never something where I'm like, whoa, this is brand new. Like it's always like, yeah, this feels very familiar. This feels like something that I sometimes part of why I like running the loneliness and connection group is I like people being able to see, oh, other people feel this too. I'm not alone. And like, we all actually feel very, like we all want something different. We want to feel better. Yeah. We, we all have the same bridge maintenance issues. So maybe even talking about, Hey, what do you do? <laughs> that, yeah. you know, that's, that's some good small talk, right? Maybe. Yeah. Hey, when, when it gets tough, what do you do? What works for you? Because who knows, you might get a perspective that you never thought of before. Absolutely. Yeah. Have a question about a medical procedure? Want to learn more about a health condition? With over 2,000 interviews with our physicians and specialists, there's a pretty good chance you'll find what you want to know. Check it out at thescoperadio.com.